Left. Right. Yo, what's up? Today we are talking about artificial sweeteners and consent when it comes to sexual advancements and come-ons and things like that, uh, especially in light of what's going on with the governor of New York, Cuomo. Uh, this is a pretty interesting topic. We're just delving into it, just some highline stuff. Future episode, we'll get a lot deeper into consent and bring in some guests from the female persuasion. And uh, looking forward to that. So I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Hard hitting facts. Yeah. Well, I feel like that introduction. I feel like that introduction would have been better for the consent. Hang back, just let the magic happen. (laughs) I also really like the former Obama uh, administration advisor said about Lindsey Graham's comments. Well, Donald Trump, he's got a lot of darkness, but he's also got a lot of magic. And he says, you know, David Axelrod, yeah, the magic is racism. That's what they're harnessing. So let's get back. Let's let's get back to that comment in a minute. We are live across (laughs) all platforms. This is Sip Talk, episode 84. My name is Justin Agiulio. Today I am joined, as always, by co-host James the Bosnator Boswell, accountant extraordinaire, professional referee, bartender. And what's one of them? Um, I always, I think four is too many. We got to narrow Philosopher. This. Philosopher. That's a big one. I think they're all good. I think they're all good titles. So it's, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to leave them out. And we have David. We're trying to narrow down your specialty. Well, I think we can go with Politico. The, okay. The, David. That, 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 that follows within, you know, I mean, James is the philosopher. I do mortgage loan stuff. So finance <laughs> and markets. Finance that's also and, up my and, bailiwick. And political expert. Um, but definitely, sure. definitely, uh, I'm joined by brains on both coasts, which helps me out because uh, I just got to keep talking, carry the conversation. They drive the content uh, today. <laughs> today, we're really today, just like we're the guardrails. Today, we have <laughs> some, some important topics. We're talking about consent and seltzer. So we're going to start with. <laughs> <laughs> so two things that white chicks are super into. Well, you know, I, we I started think you need to base that <clears throat> off of race. I think that's pretty broad well, appeal for both but, of those. But that's I know that's I, I think up. that's the pretty Obviously, obviously, seltzer is the broader topic that applies to everyone. It's a lot of asexual people in Asia, so it's not an issue at all. Um, but be, right before we got on air, we were, right before we got on air, we were talking about true. we were talking about seltzer water, and what I said was I've been drinking a lot of seltzer. I also drink a lot of diet soda. So today I was reading an article about artificial sweeteners. I'm going to get into that. I just want to kind of digest the article. The three of us. So I can help explain to people how to comprehend science. I think if the normal person read this article, they're going to say, oh, this is really, really bad for you. But I read the article and I said, none of these things really apply. Um, and I'm not saying it's good for you. I'm just saying there's no hard science. But in this one. It's, isn't that kind of a binary choice of, oh, I'm not saying it's good for you. What's, what's the alternative explanation? Well, uh, something can be 
it's a curve, right? So good is on one side of the spectrum, bad is on the other side of the spectrum, and the middle is neither. Maybe you should explain why people thought it was bad. Well, I, that's what I'm going to get to in the article. Okay. We also were going to take a shallow dive into consent. We were talking about consent in the last podcast, which I think is a very, a very good topic. Uh, consent, obviously a big one. A lot of people doing fucked up shit like Cuomo. Um, even though I don't think what Cuomo did was that bad, but I'm not too familiar with what happened. Well, you hear about today's so, news? I uh, an, maybe an, uh, I I may have. Was it like an so when I, I misspoke because I wasn't accounting for this. Was it an under the skirt? Was it an under the skirt grab or something along these lines? Yes. So okay, but again, we're talking allegations. Not that this guy's the reputation. Allegations that were reported to the police. Oh, okay. Again, I'm learning. I'm learning as we go, and I'm. I I'd like to. I think it's a good thing to not have my opinion set on one side of things or the other side of things. Like I'd like to, and I and all, a lot of the times I just leave still without an opinion. But I'm curious what the new evidence is. Uh, let's go there in a second. I want to know what you guys are drinking. Uh, we'll start up top with the uh, David Boswell in California. All right. Well. I already had the bourbon port, so tonight we're going to do a nice little Manhattan without the garnish. I've got a little bit of the, you know, sweet, sweet vermouth. vermouth. Just a little bit, because I don't like it too, too much. I prefer the bitters more than I do the sweet vermouth. So you got sweet vermouth, you got bourbon. Yeah. And it's good old Evan Williams. Uh, that's already in the cup. And then, yeah, just a couple of dashes of the bitters. Ice is already in the cup. So that's really made to taste, though, because you're you're. It is. It's it's not a it's not a traditional two to one Manhattan of bourbon to vermouth and then like a couple of dashes. It's it's for me. All right, cool. And then what what do you uh, what do you have over there on the staying boring and going with Bush Ice again? I'm kind of waiting on buying liquor until I have uh, the new house set up, so that way I can just have a fully stocked bar from day one or day two. I think that's, I think, and then you don't have to move all the bottles. So that's, so that's cool. I do want, because obviously we started out, uh, you know, with SIP Talk in the real estate realm. I want to, and we have a lot of real estate people that, that listen and everybody, you know, is at some point interested in real estate. I want, uh, I want to kind of get a bit of a status update. And then I want to go through the steps that you've gone through so far, because you're in the middle of the home buying process. Yeah. And I think you can shed a lot of light on, you know, as to what you've done, what you're doing and what's next and what you don't know is next. And hopefully I can fill you in on that a little bit. So you get the Bush, you get the Manhattan. I got uh, a diet soda to diet seven up. Very popular soda seven up. I haven't seen seven up in the longest time. I don't even I never drink Sprite or seven up or. So it's really popular. Whatever the other one is. But I saw it. and I was like, oh, shit, I haven't seen seven up in a really long time. I'll go with the diet one. Um, I prefer DNL. Oh, I missed that. What is what is it? So Seven Up is like famous for having like no caffeine or whatever. Oh. So they came out very briefly with um, DNL, which is like the Seven Up logo flipped upside down, and it was like more caffeinated than Mountain Dew. Okay, okay well that's good. I like caffeine, um, which is why I usually go with like a pepsi max in in place of a regular seltzer is for the caffeine um so like double zoo 
Fill me, fill me in on, on where you are with the house. Um, not much to update, really. I'm still waiting on the appraisal report to come back. So, And, and we talked um, briefly about the appraisal pretty much... last time, right? So I, Yeah, I just, we might have done that. Did we talk about that on the air? I, I, I don't know. But again, I want to I cover the process so far. So right now where you are is you've made an offer. You've engaged a mortgage lender, which you probably did before having made the offer because you need to establish your budget. So, and yeah, I got if we, if we were to go from the beginning, it would be I started off by getting pre-approval for financing to have an idea as to what my budget was. Yes. And how did you find and how did you who did you reach out to for that? So I work in an accounting office. So lots of we, we deal with real estate agents and mortgage lenders all the time. So I went to a coworker and asked him, I said, Hey man, do you know anybody that would be a good like mortgage agent for me? Yeah. And they referred you. Yeah. And so then I just sent an email to them said, Hey, what do I need to do to get pre-approval? And then they sent me a link and I had to fill out some personal information about income and everything else. And with like a day, they gave me a dollar figure for how much I could qualify for on a loan. Very cool. So then you went and you looked at homes. Mm-hmm. And that process sucked a little bit because that process can suck. And, you know, people have a vision in their mind what they're looking for and they try to match up exactly what they're looking for. They have conditions. You had HOAs. You did not want to be part of a homeowners association and you found a place. I did. Um, And yeah, they're looking for a home thing. Now, one thing um, I feel like real estate agents have, like a hidden language that they try to use to convince people that a house is for them when it might not be. So we, we went to one house and the pictures looked pretty good. But once we got there, like, so I don't remember how houses are really constructed in <laughs> New York. Um, okay. Like a lot of places have basements or whatever. Yeah. Um, whereas in Charleston, no houses have basements. Well, you're in the low country, right? They call your yeah. area the low country. Okay. So there's really two types of house constructions. There's like a concrete slab where it's exactly that. It's just a big hunk of concrete. And then you build yeah. the house on top of that. Or we have a crawl space where the house sits maybe two or three feet above the ground. And there's pillars. So cement like- blocks, cement blocks are poured. And then the house is basically built across with support beams across the cement blocks yeah and so crawl spaces can be problematic because moisture gets trapped under there all sorts of stuff and so a lot of the houses oh yep (laughs) and so anyways this house like all the floors are just kind of rolly and everything and i told him i was like i I, i'm seeing if i were to get this place i'd probably have to drop like 20 or twenty five thousand into it and he says yeah this place has a lot of potential and i says no (laughs) no 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 i like this place has a lot of potential because i want to do the work but potential means lots of work right that's what i said i said you're using lots of potential as in you're gonna have to put a lot of work into it and that's a loss yeah exactly i said (laughs) well i mean that means that like there's a lot of things that you can do with this space already without having to knock down walls and like like completely redo the foundation. Well, imagine if you dated like that. If you're like you're meeting, I think women actually do this. I think women do this. Um, he's got a lot of potential. You know, if I could just get him in shape and make him vegan and turn him into, you know, all kosher or something like that, he's got a lot of potential. Yeah, this um, could be the summer that he drops the weight. <laughs> oh man, um, don't get me started on no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in a very similar situation with another friend, but I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to get too detailed. 
So yeah, like for me, when I told my agent, I said, stop using the word, like stop saying this place has potential to disguise the fact that it needs a lot of work. Like a lot of potential is the place is in great shape and you can do a lot of different things with the space that's there. Not you're going to have to knock out half the house and start over. Okay. And the one you said with the rolling floors, that was, that was the crawl space you're saying. Uh, yeah, there, okay. but All right, so, so, the other but, thing that was annoying is just like people would list like a house is like, so I need three bedrooms in the house and there'd be some places that would list three bedrooms and one of the bedrooms was like an alcove in a garage and like, yeah, this could be a bedroom. All right, cool. Oh, the shed out back could be a bedroom. I toured a, a co-op with a client last weekend and uh, one of the real estate agents opened a door and she said, well, this could be the current owners using this as a second bedroom so if you're interested you could potentially use this second bedroom it was a closet with a tiny bed for like their four-year-old that was sleeping in the closet and i was like well you know that's not really i was like i don't think that's going to work for uh for my client <laughs> no it sounds good for harry potter you know it's, living yeah. up the stairs but i mean the thing for a normal person yeah you pr- you probably I mean, you could touch both walls, maybe, maybe even with both elbows. I don't know what how small this child was, but um, it was definitely, uh, um, it was definitely not for an adult. Um, so, all right. So, anyways, we we just I'll touch on if you're if you're listening to us on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and you want to catch us live, you can do so on my Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Justin DiGiulio. Do it on my Instagram page, uh, Instagram at Justin DiGiulio, or on TikTok. Uh, that's how you can watch us live. So if you want to get in and you want to get in on the commentary, and I see some comments coming in, especially on Instagram, so I'm going to run through Instagram and read back up the comments. We get there in a second. So either I want to, I want to wrap, wrap through this, uh, the home buying process. So you finally found a place and it sucks finding a place because real estate agents definitely, uh, a lot of times there's a shot in the dark. I feel like for real estate agents, especially if they're newer, they have to really know the market. Um, and they have to have access to the right resources to actually really see what's on the market. So to my agent's credit, he did a really good job, partially because I kind of trained him up where I was just like, dude, don't bullshit me with any of this stuff. This is what I'm looking for. And um, but we eventually found a place. uh, And after seeing I was like, all right, this is the best place you've shown me. Um, I want to put in. I want to win this bid. I, I don't want somebody else to get this house. Okay, and you did so by bidding over the asking. Yes. All right. But you knew the market and, and I had him do a market analysis before we, we settled on a bid because he also happened to knew the agent that was selling the place. And I said, 260 for this place seems a little bit low. And he says, that's what this agent does is he'll put in a listing price considerably below what the house is actually going to sell for. Cause he wants to get a whole bunch of people walking in the door and he wants to get multiple offers. And the person who's selling this house wants to sell it quickly. So they, they put it out there to get as much interest as possible. So it's probably not going to go for two sixty. So then he sends me a market analysis and I said, I want to be in a position where I'm going to be the winning bid. And if not, I want to be damn close. And so we talked over a phone and I, I said, 
this isn't like an auction or a traditional negotiation where I can do things the way I want to do them. This is a, I put in an offer and hope that it wins. I get one shot at it. And I said, I don't know how to do that because that's not how I am used to operating. <laughs> well, you said you were really looking forward to the kind of back and forth process. Yeah, but you don't get that with real estate. Well, I, yeah, I know that. <laughs> well, you're talking about that earlier, though, James, to, to be fair. Like you're talking about really enjoying that. Like, all right. And we were both saying, no, you're just going to have to come in at a place where you think you're going to win. Yeah, I know. And this is a case where my agent had to train me. So, or the Not other your friend who is an agent <laughs> person who's an agent or the other person who's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but whatever the case is, I finally realized it's like, I'm not going to be able to win this battle, but your no, offer no, strategy, your offer strategy, given the current state of the market was a very smart one it was offering over the ask. You knew what the market was demanding right now and you liked the place. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, right now, I don't think you're, I mean, I know the details. We won't discuss them on air, but I, I don't think your offer was obnoxiously over the asking price. I think it was no. just over the asking price as if to dissuade if, you know, somebody else who comes in at 10 grand less or, you know, at even five grand less, the owner isn't going to try to create a bidding war between somebody offering less and somebody offering more. They, they're just going to, and most people are just going to start off less assuming that other people are also offering less. And then you have a bidding war between two people offering less who, you know, Hey, this person is, is also interested, but $5,000 more interested than you are. I just think you started off in the right foot. So either way you've, you, you have an accepted accepted. offer, you got an accepted offer and now it goes on to the attorneys and the banks. So we're kind of in that phase right now. The next step after uh, the, the bid was accepted was I needed to get, I went from pre-approval, which is just them saying, we, we trust your numbers and this is what it is, to now we don't trust your numbers. Give us everything. Now they want evidence. So tax returns. Did they ask for pay stubs? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So just if, you know, if you're listening, buying a home is actually relatively simple. You're not doing anything complex. Um, and the barrier to home ownership is really just the down payment and some time spent looking at houses and sending emails back and forth. It's, it's really not that, that difficult, but once you're finished, you'll be much happier that you've done that because you're going to be spending the money monthly anyways on rent. And it's also it, it comes out to be cheaper. I would, I would definitely agree. It, it comes out to be cheaper. I'm depending on what budget you're going in with to purchase, but if you're, but you take some, some dollar amount of rent and take that same dollar amount and apply it to a mortgage payment plus utilities and everything else, you get more for your money by paying a mortgage and everything else. Cause like this house is going to be 2000 square feet and it's going to cost about 1800 a month, but I can have two roommates and I'm in an apartment that's about a thousand square feet that doesn't feel like a thousand square feet. It feels like less. And I'm paying 1200 a month with one roommate. So, so for effectively the same price or a little bit lower, I'm getting a house that's twice as big and I'm getting ownership instead yeah. of just burning mon- money. Exactly. And you can change shit, which is, which is also nice. So next steps, uh, the, you have to have an appraisal done. The bank requires an appraisal because they don't want to fund something that they don't know the true value of. So they, an appraiser is hired typically by the bank. I don't, I, it, it not may, this time. Well, I, I was just going to say it may depend on the States, 
It right. just has to be an appraiser approved by whoever the investor is going to be. I run into this occasionally at my job where the branch will forget that we don't trust this appraiser and the investors don't trust his numbers because they're jacked up. As long as the appraiser is licensed and trusted, it doesn't matter who gets them. Just has to be a licensed appraiser. Yeah. In this case, I had for to us. pay for it. So, um, so, so you, uh, the issue is, say you have an accepted offer on a home for 500000 and an appraiser comes out and they say the home is worth 600000 um, the bank is still is going to finance the home. That's a good investment for the bank. But if the, if the appraiser says the home is only worth 475000 the bank is no longer going to fund the purchase of 500000 because so, if if you if no, you, they will. It's just going to kick it up a, a, a tier in LTV. It does. It depends on what kind of loan we're talking about. But you're just changing the percentages. They'll still finance it. It's just going to be a little bit more pricey. Or not necessarily because if, if no, you, if you're going from seventy percent to eighty percent, you're actually going to you're actually going to make money out of it because you don't have to pay for you don't have to worry about mortgage insurance anymore. Well, so the bank's looking at more favorably. Something is changing. So yeah. you may have to what what you're just saying you might have that the mortgage you have to. is you're going to put down more money, right? Yeah, because so, the bank's not willing to shell it. the the bank's not going to willing willing to take exposure to an asset where if I buy this house and I never make a single payment, the bank is then going to own the home and have to sell it back to the market. Yeah, and, and loss if they've and it yeah if, if it was appraised for way lower than what the the bank funded it for now the bank just paid five hundred thousand dollars for a house that's worth four seventy five either way so the, the math the math has to make sense for the bank and if if it does fall through they need to make sure they're making their money back so the appraisal is basically telling the bank who doesn't know you know they they haven't seen the house the bank hasn't seen the house in person they probably don't know you know they they don't conduct their own market reports which that's what the appraiser is for so the appraisal needs to come in at the right number and then or above the asking price yeah at or above and then you're green lighted to the next steps well you want to talk about what happens if it comes back below asking price i thought that's what we're we're talking about because i asked my agent this um i said all right so my offer was 285 what happens if it comes back at like 275 or something um, and I think, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong here. I basically have two choices. One is that I can choose to walk away and say, well, you have, yeah, you have three choices. Really. You can walk away. You can agree to pay the difference because now there's a $10,000 difference and the bank isn't going to just say the bank might adjust their, their numbers uh, for an increased risk and charge you a, you know, not, a, not on the program that James is on. He's on, home ready, which is 3%. So it's not well, a $10,000 difference. It's a $10,000 percentage difference in valuation. So you're talking 3% of $10,000. But what, what may happen is the, you can, you can just cover it. Um, or you can yeah. ask the owner to split it with you. And because the owner is now realizing that his asset isn't worth the asking price or the accepted offer price, the owner may say, well, I, you know, I, I guess I do need to pay that difference because I'm not going to be able to sell it for a higher amount. Not if an appraisal came in at a lower amount, because that's what an appraisal is. It's a valuation in the current market. So, yeah. So that's what my agent said is like, you basically, you offer to meet the seller halfway because the, if I walk away, then the seller has to relist it. And he now knows that he's not going to be, let's say I bid 285 and it's a 275. 
he knows he's not going to be able to get more than 275 for it because any other appraisal is going to come in at 275 and he's going to run into the same issue, even if other bids come higher. Exactly. So that's the most that he's ever going to get is 275. So if I said I was willing to pay 285, meet me halfway, you're not getting more than 275. If you go to somebody else, I'm now offering you 280. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, that's why, you know, that's a good idea is just what the cost. So moving forward, you get green lighted. Yeah. Um, the attorney's got to work some things out. They have to set up the sales contract and then you want to review the sales contract. Uh, I noticed the contract in this home that the owner had requested to take the appliances and then we had it fixed so that they weren't taking the appliances. I think that was a weird contract. And then come to find out, uh, they ended up taking the appliances anyways, which we had to then go follow them to storage and get the appliances out of the storage. Either way, long story. Um, and then you set a closing date. And that's when you go and you sign, you sign and you bring your bank checks. And you are oftentimes in that moment handed keys. And then you can go move in. But it's a pretty um, simple process. There's a couple other things. Um, one is I had to get before I haven't made the down payment on the house yet. But oh, I, I did miss that. I did miss that. Is yeah, I had to pull out two thousand dollars of earnest money that I'm putting down, and so that's money that I will not get back unless there's a breach of contract on the um, seller's part. So that's basically me committing to saying, "Hey, I'm eating all my commitments, and here's two thousand dollars." So that way, if I breach the contract and say at some point in the next couple of weeks I don't want to buy it, I don't get that money back. The only way that I can get that money back is if the appraisal comes in below and I escape the contract, or the home inspection for termites and other damage, like structural things, comes back with problems. Well, that's because your offer is contingent on the home passing inspections also and you getting financing. Yeah. So, and that's a contingency clause in an offer, which is very common. Passing but it, but if, let's say for some reason, I no longer can get financing, like that $2,000 is gone because I broke my part of the deal. Well, but you're, but a lot of times an offer is contingent on financing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but here's what happens is if there are no contingencies or the contingency clauses in your offer do not cover for whatever reason, a reason that you back out and you back out, you lose that good faith deposit and it goes to the seller. Yep. And sometimes it goes to their agent because their agent has a portion of it will go to the agent because their agent has invested time into this and the owner now has lost their timing on the market which, yeah. which can suck. Um, uh, the other thing that I had to do is I had to, I had to source a homeowner's insurance contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's also a big one. Uh, as a homeowner, you, well, the bank is going to require you to have homeowner's insurance and, uh, that's it. I want to, I want to move on to some more topics real quick. Cause I do want to, I do want to broach. Oh, so real uh, quick, where we are right now is we're waiting for the appraisal to come back. Appraisal exactly. happened on Tuesday, supposed to have the report today, but we don't. So, yeah, that's tip- also typically how it goes. You, she's always waiting and things are always delayed. Um, so let me, I want to, uh, let's see, should we get into the consent thing or you want to, you want to follow the artificial sweetener? I mean, with the consent thing, I'm not sure if it matters if I do or don't, but let's just go with the artificial sweeteners. Happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but when uh, we get into the the, the consent thing, I, I just want to introduce the topic, even though we're not getting into it right now, is the consent topic is going to be another part in our long running series of things that we have no business talking about, but we're going to anyways. 
Well, that's Power again through. what what I want to do, and what we're the reason we're broaching it tonight is I, I am going to bring in uh, some guests, and I think it'll be I'd like to get some people's personal experiences. So if you're listening to this and we haven't aired that, that episode or recorded that episode yet, let me know if you want to be involved. I'd love to hear some stories, but the more awkward, the better. Um, but I want to bring people on who can share some situations that they weren't sure about. And, you know, it consent is a weird thing. You know, the thing is, we're obviously talking about more intimate encounters and sex and trying to get to sex. And that's a very, you know, that's, <laughs> that's an uncomfortable, it's an uncomfortable <laughs> topic, obviously for the Boswells. No, no, no. It's the way you said it. <laughs> Trying to get to it, It's your furtive eye movements. Whenever you say the word sex, like you can't look at the camera like sex. And we're going to talk about other things. I don't I'm just look- thinking about like, what what's the term for trying to get to sex? Is that dating? Uh, it So, but typically what happens is, somebody makes an, an an unwanted advance towards towards the sex and the other person gets turned off or gets these days uh litigious yeah and and it gets it gets really really bad at the end of the day you know really it should be somewhat awkward for both parties i feel like especially the younger that you are is that is that your go to <laughs> line awkward (laughs) (laughs) look look baby this is supposed to be awkward for both of us (laughs) no i mean the thing is you're not you're never you're never going to be sure about it because if you're at a if you're at a bar and and you know you you're a guy and you see a girl on the other end of the bar and you're interested in her and she walks over and says hey i really i really like for you for you to fuck me right now that's not you know you're gonna you're you're gonna be turned off with that and you shouldn't and you shouldn't right. be like, OK, yeah, let's go, because that I, should be a red I thought flag. this is going somewhere way, way different. Like a- you go over to the girl at the end of the bar and like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. And then you keep talking to her and you pester her all night. Like this is the, the explanation of consent that you're going at. You went you, you, you no. took a sharp left turn. But I think it's a bit more nuanced. The thing is, you see someone you're attracted to them. You need to convey that you're attracted to them and find out if they're attracted to you. However, conveying to that person that you're attracted to them too overtly makes you unattractive to them. Yeah, it's just not always so nuanced. Sometimes it's really, really cut and dry. Well, hey, baby, we're playing the let's get to sex game right now. (laughs) How am I doing? So, (laughs) but that's (laughs) that's the issue. So, you know, how do you you get to the part where you're back one-on-one in a intimate encounter or potentially intimate encounter and you get the okay to move forward Um, is it implicit you know so so and 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 that's where it gets that's where it gets awkward or uncomfortable because somebody might think they're coming home with you at one o'clock in the morning to play checkers because obviously when you met them you were in a checkers club and you know you you said hey i have a great checkerboard at home and you, they came home with you. Um, but I, I feel like that's typically, you know, don't give away all your tricks at once. Justin. that's where I, I don't, I don't know the lesson. I don't know how to play checkers. Yeah. I, I, honestly, more of a connect four kind of guy. I don't know the last time I, I played checkers, but I think, you know, all joking aside, all joking aside, that's where it gets a bit uncomfortable for people. And that's where we run into issues. I think, you know, I've heard stories of, 
I've heard stories, never been in this situation personally, of course, where uh, a girl comes home with a guy and the girl isn't expecting to do something and the guy is expecting that sex is going to happen. Um, or someone... Well, I think you should just not expect sex from people. I think that's a good first step. But at what point do you... not expecting... But, sure, but when someone comes home... You, with you, you can want you. things. No, but there's a difference between wanting and hoping and expecting. Well, at a certain there's point, a you have to make... There's a big difference there. At a certain point, you have to make a move and you're expecting... Justin, can, can you not graciously bow out? I know you. I know that you are very good at hilariously and graciously bowing out of a situation. That's why I'm not worried about you and consent issues. That's the question here is whether or not you can understand what's happening. Okay, so what? She came home with you. She's not feeling it. She's not giving you the signals. Well, what what was, do you what, do? Do you keep pushing and trying? Or do you say, well, this was a mistake. But a lot of people... But and you so, move on. Exactly. But I feel... A lot of people are like, as good as you can be. I feel like you know some women may go through with it. Or maybe some men may go through with something that they're not entirely comfortable with because they don't know how to say no. I think that's a very good scenario. For sure. And absolutely. You know, Which and also as to why consent is so important, actionable affirmative consent. So we're all over 30, we're adults. You can have the conversation. So what it might be a little bit awkward, but I'd rather have a slightly awkward conversation before we have sex, vigorously and affirmatively, it, as opposed to after the fact saying, Oh, you weren't into that, and then I feel like a piece of shit for the being next thirty years old and having experience is much different than being 22 years old or 19 years old or 16 years old whenever people start sleeping together sure. these days it's probably at like four years old when they're playing playstation or something i don't know i feel like the age just keeps getting younger um it's very strange i talked more with the first girl i had sex with about when we were going to have sex than the last 10 times i have so well, that's like, my point back so when i was 16 much- it was a lot more discussed than it is now it was a much bigger issue for you back then and has become much smaller, bigger smaller because you've gotten more comfortable with it and you know what you're doing. Whereas it was a whole conversation topic that, you know, that happened for weeks or months leading up to this. And I don't think, I mean, it's you remember. people well, have, people have an app now, you know, and they could just, yeah. Oh. But I think we need to talk about the, like, there's been a change in what what the type of consent that's expected is, where you can have kind of affirmative consent, which is the the hot button topic of today, versus more passive consent that is less in favor. And affirmative consent is basically, yes, we can do this, whatever it is. And you have to basically ask, for lack of a better explanation, you have to ask for permission kind of every step of the way do you want me to kiss you can i take off your shirt that's but that but that's that's where that's where i think yes, that's kind of the consent no. that we're talking about when, we, when that's a consent that everyone thinks we're talking about when we talk about consent and then that's the consent that seems obnoxious and retarded and in application doesn't but that doesn't that's affirmative work. consent sure exactly serve where am i wrong here you're only wrong in the application of the strictness of it. It's not always that extreme. I, I, I think on a first date, it's appropriate to ask before you leave. If you're not, if, if the 
signs aren't there and you think, oh, this is going to end on her doorstep or at her car. I think asking, can I kiss you is not out of line. And I think going in for it without asking might be a little bit presumptive. It's the first date. You don't know this person. It would be much, much smoother if you said, may I kiss you? (laughs) Fine. Um, But yeah, I mean, that, and that can work. That can work unless you are on the more awkward side and your body language is, is a little weird. And then the person may have second thoughts in the moment that you ask, whereas had you not asked, they were all for it. Because again, we are animals. That, that is no, that's actually no, no, a really, no. really bad argument. Uh, well, <laughs> Wait I, a minute. Catch I, them in their uncertainty. You know, just before they can say no, get them but, to not say no. Before they think better of it. But I think you're yeah. missing I think you're missing a huge portion of this. And this is how people behave based on you know chemicals and hormones that are going on. Your attraction to somebody, you know, who who is smooth and you know, you're basically asking me to take advantage of a biological roofie to get their consent when otherwise whoa, whoa, whoa. Mind, they might I'm not. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna end this argument right here and say that if the biological roofie is working, then you saying may I kiss you isn't going to kill the mood. But I'm going I'm not to saying that I'm I'm saying that it I'm saying that it may. I'm saying, I'm saying that if the biological roofie is going on, you're not gonna ask the question, you're just gonna go along with the biology and not ask the question affirmative consent be damned so you're just like going with it even though you know with a clear head like this is a bad idea we shouldn't have done that but yeah and i think that yeah like the example of affirmative consent of may i do this may i do this every step of the way to me is a bit much i think i I think it's at any point if someone says no or stop that's when you have to stop Yes, I definitely 100%. Yeah, I think if you ever hear somebody or feel somebody even physically kind of pushing back, uh, you know, or if you hear the word no or stop, then it needs to be a pretty hard, (laughs) needs to be a pretty abrupt, (laughs) (laughs) needs to be pretty abrupt all. But again, you know, we may not be the best. We need, uh, I, I just saw Nicole Feliciano, who has joined us a couple of podcasts about sexual harassment in the, at the workplace. Um, you know, she would probably be a pretty good female voice on this. Um, but I'm re- you know, what I'm talking about is this area in the middle where I really truly believe that you would turn somebody off by saying th- certain things and you're kind of in the moment. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I, and and that's my concern. I think that's I think that's most people's, I also think that's most people's concern, and it's not something that is of high frequency. I think for the most part, you know, if you get explicit uh, okays, it's that's probably fine, and it's not going to kill the moment. Generally, no. I, I think that asking every single thing they're going to be doing, you're right. That's going to absolutely kill the mood. But asking a couple questions here and there, like especially as you're feeling things out in the very beginning, just to make sure you're on the same page. It's a balancing act. Right. And we sit here while we're drinking cocktails uh, and a beer in South Carolina, and we're talking about consent. And I think alcohol may play a role also in people's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But basically after the fact, so taking back, taking back their consent. 
So yeah. here's here's an argument that I got into with a coworker when I was bartending. And here's the scenario. Guy and a girl go out. They have drinks. They both go back to one of their places. And they continue drinking. And they're both at an equal level of inebriation. Both of them are super drunk. And both of them are at a level of drunkenness where if you were to say that one of them is sober and one of them is drunk, you would say the person who's drunk can't consent. They're too drunk to be able to make that decision, right? Sure. But now both of them are that drunk. Okay. Um, my argument was that neither party is, re- is like either responsible or irresponsible. Like that this is, that, that's consent. Because <laughs> neither, like if neither party can consent, then like you don't have a consent issue. But and bear that, in mind, bear in mind that the the dude, and again, I'm, and that's why I think it would be cool to have some other guests on, especially those who are not straight. But uh, well, not, I mean, just including those who are not straight. But uh, usually, it's the dude who is the aggressor, right? And but if what the dude's I'm saying, not into it physically. Sex is probably not happening, right? But what I'm saying is that like you can't like. If, if sober dude, super drunk girl, you can't have consent. If they hook up, that's on the dude, and it may be a crime. Oh, it's, on, it's actually on the girl, and that would be and yeah, that, and that, that part of it no, is, is. No, is, I'm saying that there, it's. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm no, saying it, that like it, it's it's the dude's the responsibility fault, to act responsibly because guy. she exactly. can't make the decision. Exactly, and it yeah. would go the exact same way if the dude was super drunk and the girl was sober. What I'm saying is that if both of them are super drunk, I had now my stance to, to my coworker was this isn't rape. This isn't a crime. This isn't a consent issue because neither party could really give consent. So we can't hold this against either one. Her argument was it doesn't matter how drunk the dude is. If the girl is drunk, it's a consent issue. And he should th- th- that's a negative thing and i said how is it that we can hold one party responsible well, because, well, but not the saying. other when that's things what I was are saying, equal though, is it's it's the guy that is typically the aggressor so but not always and why why is it that if we have equal bacs equal inebriation that we have different levels of responsibility because it's usually the the guy and we're saving this guy, for the jordan peterson podcast the that we do the woman. but we just no, that's just that's just gender normative. But and, so and, however you want to look at, it. however you you assume guys to be the aggressors and women to be the uh, reluctant acceptors of male sexuality, but that's not actually how things are. A lot of times, women want to have sex just as much as we do. They just don't like us as much as we like them. That that's where the deficit. Is. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where James just will fuck off. <laughs> James just disappeared. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, video cut out for a second. Of frank, frank sexuality. James no, I can still hear you. It's just for whatever reason the video cut out. So, but right now I'm seeing, and I, let me roll through some comments. Let me roll through some comments because the last okay. comment okay. just said, "If you ask, may I kiss you?" and they agree to kiss, and the chemistry is there, and you want to take it further, you can say, "Is this okay?" And if she says or he says, they will let you know. But again, asking questions at every step of the process could become a bit of a turnoff. I don't, and I don't think it'll ruin the moment. But it's just, it's a bit, it's a oh, bit. Oh, it weird. can if you do it too much. 
it's uh, it's, it's an American it's issue. Absolutely balance. It's an American issue. Fifty fifty responsibility. Um, so the people are agreeing with me. But it's just people meeting at a bar and having some drinks. <laughs> All right. I'm not uh, with this. What's that? I'm saying the people are agreeing with me that if they're both equally drunk, they're both equally responsible or irresponsible. Before going on a first date, I think James is a surprise that do. people are agreeing with him. Before going on a first date, you need to do a lot of talking, and by that time, it's got no to be because of chemistry. No, that's what the first date is for. Is for the well, talking. I, no, my, my no, thing is you, you, too much talking. I'm, I'm sick date. of these. And then there's nothing to talk about. Leave some some mystery for that. If you well, want to go here's what happens. Drinks, here's what happens. Is if last if few talking, dates, last few dates. If you're talking to my last few people, dates, they all live 15 miles away from me. If you're talking to six people on Bumble, and one person wants mm-hmm. to talk to you for a month before they ask you out, and another person just comes through suave and and asks you out in a way that you like, that person's winning. So yeah, the more talking, sure, that would be better. But at the end of the day, you got to meet in person and see if you have that chemistry. And, and it's different personalities different. too. I, I just had a match. Is for. I just had a match with a girl, and she said, "I don't really want to talk a lot online. Ask me to go do something." So we had like two or three messages. It's like a day between messages. Like, hey, do you want to do something this week? I'm afraid of taking your profile at your work. It's like, thank God, because no one ever actually says anything and actually asks me to go do something. That's very, yeah, that's very strange. So, so there's some people who like the the pen pal thing and getting to know each other before you go on the first date, and then there's somebody who said for go out, have a drink, Let's... see if there's a spark there instead of you know feeling obligated to respond to these messages or someone you're well, not really that the interested pen, in. the pen pal people may not actually be wanting relationships they may just be wanting attention and they're getting this yeah. attention through these conversations they're feeling wanted across you know in many directions um so push the envelope hey, say let's grab a drink go out for a drink yeah. because a drink is half an hour if they don't like you they can dip out after half an hour it's not dinner where it's a two-hour commitment it's hey we get one drink and if you want to keep talking i'll order a second round if not yeah well you said you had this place to be so i better go well i think i think uh i think that's a good date strategy you go out to meet you meet for a drink then you say would you like another and then another, and then another, and then another, and then consent isn't an issue. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I I feel really and bad. She the rupees. No, yes. uh, no. But what I'm saying he, he, is, you that just knocks the five drink limit down to one. I also think if you have you if these guys are joking about rupees. By the way, if you can't catch on to this, um, <laughs> that's fucked up. Actually, that's that's a whole other fucking podcast topic, uh, and that's Ooh. why I keep comparing what's his name. Cuomo to Bill Cosby and saying he's not Bill Cosby, although recently Bill Cosby was worse than Cuomo, assuming that no more allegations against Cuomo come out. Um, But I think, you know, I think going out for a drink, good idea. Having another drink, good idea. Let's grab some. Are you interested in grabbing some food? Yes. Okay. You grab some food. Are you interested in maybe going somewhere else? And you kind of keep upping it and you're making sure things are because you're giving the person many outs. You're testing interest. But you're, you're saying, also, yes, do you still want to be around with me? And you're giving you're, ex- exactly. 
you're saying you're providing, here's the door. Yeah, you're providing an easy out because again, I feel like a lot, of, and this is the issue with consent, a lot of people may do things that they're not totally down for because they feel uncomfortable saying no. And I think really that's one of the bigger roots in the consent issue is people not being comfortable saying no. So they need to be provided with the opportunity not to. Well, there's also power dynamics that play into consent. Yeah. Well, okay. Yes. Especially when, if it's like someone like Cuomo, um, who's obviously, but let's, let's, uh, I want to, I just want to share this article with you guys on our artificial sweeteners so we can transition out of the consent thing. Because again, I wasn't such a smooth operator. Uh, Yeah. Well, if I don't want to, what if I don't want to see the article? Well, I, whether you consent to it or not, I am the host of the, of the meeting. So I can, Uh, I can, can, there's the door. You wonder why James, you wonder why James uh, camera cut out, didn't you? Um, so, uh, but I want to <laughs> artificial sweeteners and I want to, again, I haven't, I like to have an idea where my head is on an idea before I go into it and take a stance. And right now I feel like I'm just kind of feeling it out and, and obviously going back and forth with you guys to see what we kind of most agree on because it's what not does the article say. It's not on everybody, but let me get to the, let me get to the artificial sweetener article because I've been trying not to drink as much beer lately because summertime's coming up. So I've been drinking seltzers and I've been drinking um, diet sodas. I'm a big fan of the diet soda. I don't drink a ton of diet soda, in my opinion, but I would say I or have diet, one diet soda one one a day or so. Um, but I like that there's no calories and that one a day is a lot if you're somebody who doesn't drink diet soda, but I also don't drink soda at all. Like the idea of drinking, I don't really drink, I drink, I don't drink any juice. Um, because to me, it's just the idea of drinking something that is so full of sugar to me is really not appetizing at all. Like if somebody gives me a glass of orange juice, unless it's half full with champagne, I'm not going to finish it. But then again, I drink, you know, I'll drink a bottle or two of wine, I'll drink six beers. I'll drink a bunch of liquor, but that's where my, you know, I, I don't draw that line for the alcoholic beverages and I draw the line. What about diet juice? I, I would probably drink a diet juice. I would drink a diet. Hey, just water it down 50, 50. Now it's diet juice. That's not how that works. <laughs> makes it with vodka. <laughs> um, remember the Hastings definition of diet soda? Yeah. So Eric's definition of diet soda was if I drink a soda and then I drink a water afterwards, the goodness of the water will cancel out the badness in the soda. And David, right, so you I, could have a diet diet soda. That brings us back to where you were before. And I'm saying water in this example is not good. It's just simply the no, do, spectrum. Do, do, do the math. <laughs> well you have a you, you have the, the soda which would be a negative one you have water which would be a zero and i don't know what we're what we're calling a plus one but it may just be vomiting in that case i don't know uh, well, for some reason i i have this memory of eric insisting that he knows exactly how microwave beer tastes <laughs> <laughs> what uh, we should we should bring eric Hold on, on. Uh, well, i don't want to i don't want to uh I don't want to get into that too much, but I, you know, we should bring Eric on one of these days because he has some, he has some really good theories. I remember when he he decided he had invented a drink and it was the ingredient he had a name for. It, I don't remember, but the ingredients for the drink were one half vodka, <laughs> one half milk, 
<laughs> so milk and vodka at one to one ratio, and he finally. I was waiting for the improper fraction yeah. about one half triple sec. <laughs> it's no. not how this works. No, no, no. But uh, you know, when we were younger, getting our hands on on liquor or alcohol was very difficult to do. And naturally, he thought this would go really good with milk. So, <laughs> so we found the vodka, and he made this drink. And we watched him drink it. And, he, and we like we knew in our heads there was no way this could be there was no way this could be a good drink. And he, and he knew at the first sip that there was no way this could be a good drink. But he decided to double down on, on it, it still being a very good drink because he invented it after all. Is that a different story from the time that he tried to chug a gallon of milk saying he could? Like doing the no, that is a different story. That's a that is okay. These are Eric is a a very interesting guy with a lot of with a lot of good stories. So a lot of milk related stories. (laughs) Eric is a big fan of milk. So we'll go there in a minute. Let me hit you with the artificial sweetener, um, because the title of the article it's Harvard Health blog, artificial sweeteners, sugar free, but at what cost? And I'm going to skim through through it real quick. Um, by offering the taste of sweeteners without any calories, artificial. Artificial sweeteners seem like they could be one answer to effective weight loss. The average 12-ounce can of sugar-sweetened soda delivers about 150 calories, almost all of them from sugar. The same amount of diet soda, zero calories. The choice seems like a Um, no-brainer. The American Heart Association and the American Diabetes Association have given caution to the use of artificial sweeteners. Um, All right. Well, there may not be. Can I just say how absurd 150 grams of sugar is? No, 150 calories. It's like usually about oh, like 45. Calories? Yeah, like 45 grams of sugar in a 12 ounce. Okay, drink. that's still an ounce and a half of sugar. That is like uh, a, ton. a little over. It's a little less than a quarter cup of just sugar. Like three big tablespoons from the kitchen of just pure yeah, just sugar three tables oh yeah it's a sugar. obscene amount of sugar while they are not magic bullets the also use of, the let me hear me while they are not magic bullets the use of non-nutritive sweeteners could help you reduce added sugars in your diet therefore lowering the number of calories you eat reducing calories could help you attain and maintain a healthy body weight thereby lowering your risk for heart disease and diabetes as with everything there's more to artificial sweetener story then their effect on weight. To learn more about them, I spoke with Dr. David Ludwig. I'll get the author's name in a minute. Um, okay. All artificial sweeteners are not created equal. FDA has approved five sweeteners. They all have scientific sounding names. And one natural sweetener, which is stevia. Um, one concern is, is that people who use artificial sweeteners may replace the lost calories through other sources, possibly offsetting weight loss. Okay, so this is an ar- this is the first argument that's made in the article that people who drink diet soda, because they drink a diet soda, uh, actually, I'll read you. I will read you the the quote here. I'm drinking diet soda, so it's okay to have cake. That's, that's not. That's, that's not, not what the article saying. The article saying that's what that the article not, is saying. That's what the article. Not, is. No, no, no. You're making no. a psychological justification, and the article is making a biological justification. The article is saying that you're not getting the calories, you're not feeling as full because you're drinking the diet as opposed to the full sugar. Sure, sure, but but again, that's different than the counting, that's different than the justification that you're getting. If you're counting, there's a biological. No, yes. no, no. There's a biological response and there's a psychological response. You're okay. focusing on the psychological response. James and I are talking about the biological response, which is what you brought up in your first argument. Which is you want to eat 3,500 calories a day. 
So you're, you're your getting, body wants to feel your that. Body, your, yeah, your body wants that 3,500 calories a day. But the article says, I'm not. But that's it, different. But that's different. I don't care what the article says. The article is written by an idiot. <laughs> the article is giving a psychological response of, well, because I didn't have any calories for the soda, I can have this. That's completely different than my body needs 3,500 calories a day. Those are completely distinct things. Exactly. But what I'm saying, I mean, for me, I'm not. I'm not then going to eat cake because I'm not having the calories. My diet's staying the same. In in fact, I've been supplementing beer with diet soda. I do the same with whiskey. <laughs> I, I lost 25 pounds in the last two months. I'm back down to like 150. Drinking, I, I got drinking down, liquor rather than beer. Drinking liquor rather than eating food. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, is it possible that these foods change the way we taste? Non-nutritive sweeteners are far, far more potent than table sugar and high fructose corn syrup. A minuscule amount of these sweeteners taste comparable to that of sugar without comparable calories. Uh, overstimulation of sugar receptors from frequent use of these high intense sweeteners may limit tolerance for more complex tastes. That means people who routinely use artificial sweeteners may find less intensely sweet foods such as fruit, uh, as less appealing and unsweet foods such as vegetables as downright unpalatable. So they're saying that because people are used to this intense sweetness, when they eat something that's natural, it just may taste blah to them. Well, that, that could check out if you're using a one-to-one -one ratio of sucrose, sugar, sweetener to stevia, but, but you don't because we know they're 10 to a hundred times more sweet than the others. If you're a cook, worth half your salt which i don't think most yeah, are you're not you're we're not, not talking about salt we're, we're we're sticking the sugar here we're not talking about salt but you're not stuff. emptying Stop you're that. not emptying your stevia packets into a cup to add a cup of stevia to no and that's the, that's that's a really hard thing with the the standardized packets is you have the same by weight of sugar stevia sucria whatever the other uh, sweet and low all those other ones so you have to know like which one of those is going to be as strong or stronger than the others but for baking you can actually do really well with stevia and baking and get things to the same sweetness level you just have to know the measurements exactly. just because one is inherently more potent than the other doesn't make it worse you just have to know what you're doing yeah well but again you're, you're pro if you're baking you're probably not going to be able to use for the most part and you can but for the most part you need to have the mass to the sweetness um so and and they also they act differently i don't, I don't know if you I don't, maybe i'm wrong but i don't know if you can melt stevia or for creme brulee james <laughs> for creme brulee you're not going to want to use stevia because it's not going to crystallize the same way no. but for baking products if you just need to get a basic sweetness mixed into the overall baked good you're not talking a huge amount of mass difference there it's not going to be a huge difference in the overall moisture sugar is usually counted as a wet ingredient even though it's a i mean it's a crystal it's yeah. dry but when you're doing wet and dry ingredients in baking sugar counts as a wet it, it so doesn't really matter Artificial sweeteners may play another trick too. Research suggests that they may prevent us from associating sweet. This is one I think is funny. Uh, they may associate uh, sweetness with caloric intake. As a result, we may crave more sweets and tend to choose food that's sweet over nutritious food and gain weight. So um, did you guys pick up on that? Again, so you're, you're thinking like, oh, well, you I usually it. I usually drink diet soda. That's very sweet and it has no calories. 
I'm going to have a piece of cake because that can't possibly contain calories as well. I don't know. But how is that different than drinking normal soda, which diet soda is supposed uh, to? And that's, again, I don't. Drinking normal right. soda. So this is really an argument against sugar. drinking sweet things, regardless yeah. of whether they contain calories. Participants in the, the San Antonio the Heart Study who drank more than 21 diet drinks per week were twice as likely to become overweight or obese as the people who didn't drink diet soda. And yeah, but the, that's a correlation causation thing. And that's, that's what it's I a mentioned great earlier. Example of it. Yeah. I, I, they're, they're trying to do anything. They're, they're just people who are addicted to sweets and they just can't stop. And that's why they drink a lot more diet soda. Cause like, that's a, a, a cheap way for them to get that sugar fix, but they still lack the self-control to not pound the caramels the other seven days. Yeah. Um, but then I mean that compassion. Yeah, the diet soda is not the cause of their weight problem. Exactly. The diet soda is not cause. It's not making the problem worse. The the exactly. problem exists, and the diet soda is a symptom of it. Exactly. To me, that's like bleeding out of this. But a lot of people are not catching on to that. They're just saying, "Well, if you drink it, it must it must make you obese," which is not at all what it's saying. Um, but it's leading people to believe that next one. And this, this one I like, cause they're, after this next paragraph, most people are going to read this and be like, Oh, it's gotta be really bad. Uh, but you say you can give up diet drinks whenever you want. Don't be so sure. Animal studies suggest that artificial sweeteners may be addictive in rats who are exposed to cocaine and then given the choice between cocaine or oral saccharin, most chose oral saccharin. So obviously Diet soda uh, no, no, is, worse, is, yeah. is worse yeah. than cocaine. So actually, I think I think my mom actually might have had something to do with that. Uh, when James and I were did. when James and I were five and nine, respectively, our mom, who was a badass, the first or second full uh, full professor at Siena College, she was working in the the psychology lab, and one of her colleagues from RPI. Larry, I think he was, he went through all the rigmarole to go through all the different controlled substances things. They had this huge jar in the lab of 100% pure government cocaine. Take like those tubs of the um, protein powder, but not yes. protein powder. Well, it'll get you into the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you get the gains that you're looking for, but it's wild. Workouts won't be so focused. Um, yeah. We brought some of those rats home. I don't yeah. know where they all went. The, the they just started rats. dropping. Yeah, they just started dropping off one by one. Pretty sure Kitty had a lot to do with that. Pretty sure Dad had a lot to do with the other half. Like, I don't want these fucking things in here. Just like let them out. Uh, and the other half, uh, like he let out to Kitty. Either way, either way, what they're they're basically saying, obviously, artificial sweeteners are more dangerous than cocaine. So can you repeat that one? So they got rats addicted to cocaine, and animal then they studies, found that animal studies suggest that artificial sweeteners may be addictive. In studies of which rats were exposed to cocaine and then given the choice between intravenous cocaine or oral saccharin, most chose saccharin. I mean, That's a little scary. But I also think yeah, but the intravenous- it's artificial sweeteners are just as addictive as regular sweeteners. The control should be that they should have. Okay, I don't care what the sweeteners are, James. He's saying that they'd rather take sweeteners over intravenous cocaine. I don't give a shit what sweetener you're talking no, about. You I, I get it. But I can be Canadian is, and you can give me straight line triple A class maple syrup. Okay, but, but no, my my argument is that 
this is not necessarily an argument against artificial sweeteners. It might be an argument against sweeteners in general. Because I would like to know, did the rats prefer the artificial sweeteners? Oh, yeah. Or would they have I preferred regular I, sugar water? I, had heard I don't of, care. I had heard of a study that uh, that rats chose um, sugar over cocaine. I'd heard of it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm reading right here. So... Um, that's what i care about is that's scary is how much sugar we're pumping into cereals that kids eat every day and if if sugar is really much more addictive than cocaine and there's i mean I, I asked the two of you to think of the most fucked up friends that have addiction problems that you've known and i'm gonna take a stab that it's probably a meth or cocaine based addiction that was really really screwed up and i think most people here might have those friends to but, say that sugar and sacrose, sucrose, and different. Well, let me ask you a question. Addictive. Let me ask you a question. That's scary. Let me ask you a question. How many how many friends do you have that are heavy cocaine users? None. Uh, let me personally. You don't have to answer. And then my next question is: How many fat friends do you have? Also none. <laughs> So uh, I I have my friends in the Bay Area. You see, you're personally, missing, I don't missing, have a ton. You're missing my point. I get it. I get the I, I get it. I don't know what the point actually is. Explain what the, the point, point is. That is that obviously sugar is, you know, is doing something. Well, uh, sugar is more socially acceptable. Okay, sure. Depending on your circles. Um, but, uh, find me, find me the kids' party that has you know cocaine, cotton candy. <laughs> you just like spin that around. I mean, I, I'm thinking of seriously like, find that for me. I'm just thinking of I, oh, this is. I'm just visualizing like a whole bunch of six year olds like <laughs> going around like a fucking particle accelerator. Well, look, Dude, I mean, here, you, here's kids. Here's six year olds don't need cocaine for that. Have here's you been around six year olds? I taught elementary school. They uh, already, you already think about cocaine. But here's what I'm thinking: if I, if I, you know, in the, the regular course of my day, encountered somebody who was always eating a donut versus somebody who took a bump of cocaine, you know, I don't know which one I would have more respect for. But I definitely, you know, watching somebody, I can tell you which one I would I'm think not, had a problem. I'm re- <laughs> I think they both do actually, um, but I'm not condoning either. I behavior. think James actually only thinks the person with the donut does. But I'm, oh, actually, you know, why why do you sell that donut? I think I think they're yeah, both very it. bad. I think they're both very bad, um, and that's all. I think you know. I just but I think I think sugar is really bad. I like when I when I try to buy bread or something like that, I try to buy it without added sugar. I don't think you need to put sugar in bread. Um, but it's an ingredient that have you had a donut? <laughs> yes. And that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I'm looking for when I buy bread to make sandwiches out of. I, I found that as I get older, like my, my taste for sweets, has just so seriously declined. When I make coffee these days, if I don't have it straight black, maybe a little bit of cream, maybe like a half teaspoon of sugar, but it used to be like, Oh, I'll get one of the, the, the coffee made different things which have like 30 grams of sugar per, so much per sugar. dose yeah like why i'm I not don't, i don't I, like it I, I just can't stand sweetness and things that don't need to be sweet look why I, does this need to be sweet i'm not into I mean, i'll eat like cake if you put it in front of me for the most part but like i will not seek out sweets i don't like candy um i don't like sweet i'll you know drink margarita but i don't like sweet drinks i think the majority of the drink and I, and obviously there's a lot a of margarita a, a proper margarita should be sweet 
yeah, um, that's true. Why, it, why is your margarita sweet? Because, well, usually yeah. they're not, depending on Margarita is from the family of drinks called sours. Yeah. True. What is it? But people it's end up putting three, two, one. Three parts lime, two parts tequila, one part triple sec. Done. Yeah. It triple sex. Triple sex sweet. Right. But it's one part out of six. I get it. I get it. I just keep going back to the Archer episode where he makes a really anti Semitic remark about how hard is it is three ingredients. Um, all right, guys. So we're gonna call it here. Anything else? Any any current events that we should catch on here? Um, everyone's should... getting fourteen hundred dollar checks. That'll be everyone. It is uh, everyone under seventy five thousand dollars of income annual for capita of twenty twenty. It is pretty impressive that within fifty days that Biden said, "Hey, we're gonna pass a one point nine trillion dollar bill to bail out the economy because it needs it," and in fifty days. He got pretty much every single thing he asked for. The only Some small compromises here and there. <laughs> only compromises he made was four hundred dollars re up to three hundred. And the only other compromise note. that that wasn't ever really seriously part of this. He 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 wasn't invested in this. He never ran on that. That was Bernie and AOC, and that's okay. There's an argument he made for that. I don't think it belongs in reconciliation because it's not a budget issue. And if we're going to say we should have played by the rules, then we should play by the rules. And that was outside of the rules. The parliamentarian said it. I'm okay with 15 million wage being outside of this bill because it didn't belong there. Yeah, debate it, it should separately. Be passed. It should be passed 100%, but it didn't belong here. Yeah. Um, but he got everything that he he asked for. $1.9 trillion when the Republicans said, we'll give you 600 He said, no, we're, we're, we're going to do this. You can be on board or you can't. But oh, and by the way, it. it's super popular with all the voters. With over forty-six uh, percent of your party and seventy-six percent of the country, so well, I imagine at, the people that wouldn't be for it would be over the threshold, anyways. They're already gone. You have forty-nine percent of GOP males saying that they won't get the uh, COVID vaccination under any circumstance. That's stupid. Oh, and speaking of like the vaccination thing, like Biden's done the, a really good job overall of trying to get more vaccines out to more places um you can uh, you can look at the trends like vaccines have really gone up now how much of that is credit to biden and how much of that is just kind of pent-up supply finally getting it out to be distributed or whatever i was able to get my vaccine today i'm kind of lucky there but like i wasn't expecting to get one for months and i was able to pull it off Nice thing is within two months if everything biden is saying right now is true and i truly hope it is I'd like to think it is. He's saying that by May, every adult should be able to get it. I think I'll be able to get it by the end of May. And that's only two months away. Which, All right, David, get it. Don't even ask consent. Just go get it. All right. That feels like a, a bending of my, my message. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. On that note, um, I will catch you guys next time. Thank you for joining. All right, Have a good one. Thank you for joining. If you have watched this far, listened this far, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and comment on this episode. Thank you for joining. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.